If I were to give a title to this uh, prepared message, it would be titled, Speaking to Our Conditions. So let me talk a few moments about that. So having made my home, spiritual home, in the Quaker tradition and Quaker faith community, I've come to love and embrace certain Quaker phrases, phrases that have been lifted up from our Quaker forefathers and foremothers over the years. And these phrases uh, have deep resonance within me. And more often than, than not, they provide a solid ground uh, for me to stand, often during shaky times. For example, uh, John Woolman, uh, one of the Quaker greats, described prayer this way. The place of prayer is a precious habitation. I saw this habitation to be safe, to be inwardly quiet, when there was great stirrings and commotions in the world. George Fox himself uh, often would say this phrase, Christ has come to teach his people himself. A statement that really indicated uh, that Christ is here to teach each one of us uh, personally and directly. We'll talk a few more about that in a few moments. But there was another quote, or there is another quote by George Fox, which uh, is very familiar to a lot of friends, a lot of Quakers. And of course, George Fox uh, was the founder of a Quaker movement back in the mid 1600s in England. And um, after years of searching and seeking um, the reality, a, a direct encounter, an experience with God that would mean something to him, um, in his journal, George Fox wrote these words. Now, after I had received that opening from the Lord, that to be bred or trained at Oxford or Cambridge, which were universities, to be bred at Oxford or Cambridge was not sufficient to fit a man to be a minister of Christ, I regarded these priests less and looked more after the dissenting people. As I had forsaken all the priests, so I left the separate preachers also, and those called the most experienced people. In other words, George Fox is saying is even the most educated, the most trained, could not seem to help me understand and connect with God in a way that was meaningful and, um, and powerful. So then Fox goes on to write this. For I saw that there was none among them all that could speak to my condition. And when all my hopes in them and all men were gone, so that I had nothing outwardly to help me, nor could tell what to do, then I heard a voice which said, There is one, even Christ Jesus, that can speak to my condition. And when I heard it, my heart did leap for joy. And then the Lord did let me see why there was none upon the earth that could speak to my condition, namely that I might give him, that is the Lord, all the glory. Now there's a lot to unpack here. But embedded in all of this rich language is that very, very simple phrase. And then I heard a voice which said, there is one, even Christ Jesus, that can speak to thy condition or my condition. And then Fox writes, and when I heard it, my heart did leap for joy. In his own spiritual journey, George Fox came to this conclusion, or at least this, this, this moment, that the one who could speak most directly to his condition is that of the living Christ, the Christ who is present among us, the Christ who is resurrected, the Christ who is here and now. And that certainly doesn't mean that human teachers or pastors or, or ministers can't be of any help or any assistance but for Fox, at least, they weren't that much help in his own journey. But what it does mean is that the spiritual journey is not a one-size-fits-all. 
and that the living Christ meets us at the very, very place of our own condition. And whatever that condition might be, whatever we may need, we don't need to compare our journey with others. This is not a, a competition. This is an experience of deep communion with Christ. And no one knows our condition, my condition, your condition better than the Christ who is present among us. I always tell people that when I preach, whether it's 20 minutes or 25 minutes, I have a, a very narrow bandwidth of maybe being able to connect with folks because I only know the condition in a certain limited way. I only know my condition to a certain extent. And I may be aware of your condition if I've had conversations with you, if, if you've communicated with me, if I know a little bit about what's going on in your life. Even if I know the human condition in general, my bandwidth is very, very small. So what we understand here is that the one who knows our condition fully is that of the living Christ who was with us, who is present among us, and who is here to teach his people himself. One of the practice, uh, practices that Quakers often use to deepen the spiritual formation of our life is that of queries or questions. And these are questions that invite self-reflection. Um, partly because we're more apt to embrace a truth about ourselves if we come to it in our own way or through our own self-realization rather than we're being told we have to believe it or we have to see it this way. We don't often respond uh, very openly in that manner. The spiritual journey, I like to say, is not about persuasion. It's about reflection. It's about coming to this deeper understanding of our own life and, and the world around it and being receptive to the wisdom and direction of Christ and, and the wisdom and direction that Christ brings to our life. And these questions and these queries open up a space in us for Christ to speak to us or to connect with us. So I have just two or three queries that I want to share with you with a few comments on each um, that, I hope and will, that I hope will help to open up this space. Query number one is this. Is my experience of the living Christ a personal encounter or is it a borrowed and second-hand experience? Now we see this played out uh, at least twice in Jesus' conversations with Peter, uh, the disciple. At one point, Jesus says to his disciples when he's gathered around them, he gives these words, Some say, I'm John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or even one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks this question, And what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And there comes that moment, like Peter, where you and I are invited to name our own experience of Christ. We no longer rely on the experience of others. We're invited to move out and away from what I like to call a borrowed faith, or maybe even a second-hand faith, uh, one that's been handed down to us. Um, those work up to a certain point. Those work up to a certain season in our life. But we are invited at some point to move beyond that borrowed faith, that second-hand faith, and to hear that question in our heart that Jesus asks, Who do you say that I am? Is my experience of the living Christ a personal encounter? Or is it a borrowed and second-hand experience? Is it, is it an experience that I just have borrowed from books? Is it an experience that I have borrowed from my favorite teacher or my favorite preacher or whoever I may listen to? Is it one that I've borrowed or is it one that is truly one that I live and I live into? I've used the phrase before that the spiritual journey is not a one-size-fits-all, and it isn't. The spiritual journey is this living relationship with the living Christ. 
It is a dynamic relationship that is very personal and invites us to name our own truth in connection with Christ and then to live out that truth in connection with Christ rather than just simply parrot back someone else's truth or simply repeat what someone else has told us to repeat. Is my experience, is your experience of the living Christ a personal encounter or is it a borrowed and second-hand experience? A second question, second query. Am I aware of my own condition? And am I open to what Christ may speak into my life? Sometimes we're not aware of our own condition, and other times we're not aware until we're willing to be honest with ourselves, or we have a, a real um, significant moment of self-awareness. Other times there are seasons of disruption, seasons of change and transition in our life, and we may not be completely clear of what our condition may be, but we're more open to what Christ may reveal to us and speak to us because of all that's going on in our life. When I talk about speaking to our condition, what I'm really inviting us to think about is what is the state of our heart? What is the state of our soul? To speak to our condition is to speak directly to who we are, speak directly to, to our own needs, speak directly to our own circumstances, speak directly to our own life. Now, our conditions will truly vary because we're all unique and we're at different places and seasons in our life. Our condition may be one of grieving or absorbing some loss in our life. Our condition may be one of needing clarity or guidance or wisdom. Sometimes our condition may be one of sadness or melancholy, or it may be one of weariness and exhaustion. Sometimes our condition is one of anxiousness or stress or our condition is one of fear. Our condition can be one of frustration. It can be one of agitation, and sometimes our condition may be one of anger. Whatever, whatever your condition is, what I like to say is the living Christ is like a soul specialist, meets us directly at our point of need, in a very personal, in a very intimate, uh, and often in a very revealing way, sometimes so revealing that I'm not even sure I want to know. I'm not even sure I want to be aware because it's, it's so revealing, so personal, and sometimes so spot on. That's when Christ speaks to our condition. And like Fox, it, it can help us and our hearts leap for joy. But there may be moments in which we are um, taking a step back and we're, we're, we're a, a little shook up because of what we see, of what we experience. And then we have to begin to ask ourselves, um, am I willing to receive this or not? The invitation is to be accepting of the condition of our soul and to welcome whatever Christ brings to our condition and to realize we don't have to hide who we are and what we're experiencing or feel as if we have to perform in a certain way because Christ comes to us in love. Christ comes to us in, in mercy and in the tenderness of his love. When I go to a doctor or a specialist, the only way the doctor is going to be able to speak to my condition, if you will, is if I'm honest about what I'm experiencing and feeling. And then it's really up to me to welcome what the doctor or specialist offers me in connection with what my condition needs. So to live into the condition of our soul is to live into it without any editing or performing and to receive what Christ may speak to our condition. So that's the second query. Am I aware of my own condition and am I open to what Christ may speak into my life or what Christ may reveal to me about who I am or what I need? And then the third query uh, or question is this. How might the living Christ be speaking 
to the condition of our world? And how might Christ be speaking to you and I about how to show up and be present in our world? Now, at the risk of diagnosing um, our world in one big brush, I think our world's condition feels tired, feels exhausted, it feels overwhelmed, it feels anxious, it feels stressed. The condition of our world also feels angry, feels polarized, it feels divided as we find ourselves a couple of weeks away from a general election. To use the language of Romans 8 um, in the New Testament, our world is a groaning world with almost deep sighs um, happening all the time. I mean, how many times have you in the last few days or few weeks just sighed really, really deep? It's almost as if we are embodying what our world is feeling. And I think it's in these moments that Christ speaks to us through these experiences, through our own groanings, through the groaning of our world. This past uh, week, I had a fellow stop by our house in Archdale. Uh, we need some trees uh, that have to be trimmed. And we have about four, and I was showing him um, very quickly as he arrived, uh, which ones I was thinking about and kind of going over what I thought I needed and uh, what he thought he could recommend. And we started to walk around to the backyard, and I was just talking away, figuring he was just behind me. And as I turned around, I noticed he stopped at one of our smaller maple trees. So I went back to where um, he was, and he was, he was bent over, kind of feeling along the bark. And he looked at me, he said, well, this tree was struck by lightning. I had no idea. And he showed me exactly where the tree had been struck by lightning, the, the dark spot. And then he began to show me where the tree, as he said, had been bleeding out where the tree had been trying to get rid of its um, old bark so that it could grow new bark, almost a new skin, if you will. But then he also showed me how the tree literally had been trying to grow back over the place where the lightning had struck. As he said, the tree is trying to heal itself over that one particular place. Or, as he put it, the tree is trying to heal itself. It's trying to repair the damage. Now, we went on and talked more about what other trees had to be done, and we talked price and all of that. But I was so struck by that one particular moment in that conversation, because it was in that moment that I had this sense that the, the trajectory of all of creation is that of healing. The trajectory of all of creation is that of repair and healing. And in that moment, I felt that conviction, that calling, the presence of Christ speaking to my condition about the condition of the world and inviting me to do all I can to participate in the healing of creation rather than contribute to the wounding of creation. This involves everything from how to treat one another to understanding how to treat the environment to how to treat uh, all of life, all of that is living, a life of reconciliation and doing I can help others and, and help all of life and all of creation to flourish. And I got that simply from that one moment because as he showed me the tree, I began to see how alive creation is. I began to see that if we just allow creation the space to heal and to repair, it can and it will. And if we do all we can to help it heal and repair, that it has that possibility. And I think that's the same way it is with our relationships. 
And that's the same way it is with our communities. And that's the same way it is with our, with our churches. And that's the same way it is with our marriages. And that's the same way it is when, that, when, we, when we meet people who we may find that we are at odds with theologically or politically. We are, in a sense, created to repair and to heal if we don't get in each other's way and if we get out of each other's way and we help that process. That's why I read those words out of Colossians uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 15 to 20, and I'll read them again. Because all things were created by him, both in heaven and on earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. The one who was first born from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything, because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. And he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. You see, I think it's God's intent through Christ to bring reconciliation and wholeness and shalom to the whole world. This is God's mission. This is God's purpose, to fill all of creation with peace and to create on earth this peaceable kingdom. As one theologian put it, quote, reconciliation flows out of God's big vision to transform, that is, to mend, to heal, to restore, to renew, to recreate, and to make whole, and the world and everyone in it. Reconciliation means God's initiative to restore wholeness to a shattered creation. And when I read that last sentence, I asked myself the question, well, sometimes I can contribute to restoring the wholeness to this creation, or sometimes I can contribute to the shattering of creation. Whenever my actions involve hate, exclusion, hurting someone, or even discrediting and disparaging others. I shatter creation. Whenever we bring pain to someone else through our words or actions, whether it be a stranger, a friend, an enemy, or even family members, we contribute to the shattering of creation. Whenever we allow injustice to go unchecked and we allow for the diminishment of other human beings, we contribute to the shattering of creation. Even when we simply hold grudges, or we withhold forgiveness and kindness, or we punish someone else emotionally through rejection or isolation or even withholding love from them, what we are contributing to this shattering of creation. Brenda Salter McNeil, another author, puts it this way, reconciliation is an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness, repentance, and justice that restores broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original intention for all of creation to flourish. See, we are literally ambassadors of reconciliation, as Paul calls us. We are Christ representatives here on earth, partnering with God to bring a world that is filled with peace, a world that is filled with wholeness, a world that is filled with abundant life and a flourishing for all. There's a Quaker uh, writer, Howard Macy, good friend of mine, who describes shalom this way. It is completion, it is fulfillment, it is well-being. It is wholeness or making whole. It is setting things right. It is, it is making mended what is broken. What then is the vision of shalom? It is incredible wholeness and harmony. People are in harmony with one another. 
People in nature are one, neither ravaging the other, and people are in harmony with God, each treating the other faithfully. So that third query, uh, the third question that I asked is this. How might the living Christ be speaking to the condition of our world? And how might Christ be speaking to you and I about how to show up and be present in our world? Or maybe more simply put, how might Christ be speaking to you and I about showing up as those who help partner with God to create a world that is whole, to create a world that is flourishing, to create a world in which we are working together to mend, to repair, to restore, not to shatter creation, but to be those who are shalom bringers into this world. I'm going to close with a couple other questions. I know there's been a lot of questions in this prepared message, but I think sometimes questions invite us uh, again into thoughtful reflection. Now, these are from uh, the Faith and Practice of Britain Yearly Meeting. I'm going to share these questions, and then um, we're going to go into uh, another song um, by Mark. And I invite you to maybe reflect on these queries or these questions uh, as we listen to Mark play. Bring the whole of your life under the ordering of the Spirit of Christ. Are you open to the healing power of God's love? Cherish that of God within you, so that this love may grow in you and guide you. Let your worship and your daily life enrich each other. Treasure your experience of God, however it comes to you. Remember that Christianity is not a notion, but a way. Bring into God's light those emotions, attitudes, and prejudices in yourself which lie at the root of destructive conflict, acknowledging your need for forgiveness and grace. In what ways are you and I involved in the work of reconciliation between individuals, groups, and nations? <laughs>